Hello and welcome to Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch, in which two nerds sit on a couch and discuss science fiction and fantasy. If you love Dune for its daddy issues, try Children of Dune for its mommy issues. Paul Atreides was an idiot. Oh no, we're starting with the idiot thing? He knew from the start, as soon as he could see the future, as soon as he got beyond being emperor, and he's like, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. He knew, without a doubt, that what was necessary was to turn himself into a sandworm, live for several thousand years, and get humanity on track to, A, be invisible to prescience... Mm-hmm. So that that we are we are out from under the immutable hand of fate, right? And B <coughs> to seed humanity across so far. beyond the known universe, so that it will never die out, and and that it will there mm-hmm. will always be a pocket of humanity somewhere because there's a known universe, and he wanted to make sure we got beyond that. Um, and he and and <laughs> I mean. He understood what that meant. I mean, it's a lifetime of like absolute boredom, and and several lifetimes, right? I mean, this is thousands of years. I was going to say it's not just a lifetime. You know exactly what's going to happen, and and you can't be killed. Right, you're a sandworm person, and so (laughs) person. So the I mean the real the real issue here is he knows that this has to happen, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't do it. He lets his kid do it, okay, and then his kid even calls him on it. He's like, "You were a coward," and he's like, "Eh, "I'm sorry," because. You know, he knew what had to be done, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to make... I'm a boomer, and I don't really think I need to clean up my mess. I'll let my millennial kid take it on, and he'll deal with the global warming. Yeah. Like, literally, these are the ecological issues yeah. that he had to deal with on a yeah. planetary scale, but then also on a on a universal scale, just yeah. trying to, to, like, secure the survival of humanity. Yeah. And Paul just didn't do it. He was no. like, nah, nah, you know what? No. Fuck it, I'll let my kids do it. I, I really, I mean, I, like right now, my heart is touched by the Paul is a boomer. <laughs> like, I just, my heart, yeah. it, may, it grew three sizes that day. <laughs> like, I'm. it's anyway, it's huge. Yeah. Okay, so before you go on about how somebody else, Stilgar is an idiot, I don't even want to know. Um, we are here today to talk about the Sci-Fi Channel miniseries, Children of Dune, which... Um, is oh my god! It is significantly better than the Dune miniseries. Yeah, I mean, when John Harrison executive produces something, <coughs> it's fine. It's fine. Like, he wrote he wrote this shit yeah, too. Yeah, no, the writing was fine, and actually, like for the most part, the sets and the costuming were okay. the The graphics, I mean, yeah. What What were we gonna do back then? We didn't yeah. really have the tools available to us. No, it's um, fine. which is another reason why I'm looking forward to the Villeneuve version because I mean, he's got some amazing. Tools at his disposal. Because this was like 2005-ish. Yeah. I mean, and I'm this not was sure. a direct successor to, to John Harrison's Dune miniseries right. because the the actors are the same. The For the know, most part. Yeah. No, I mean, like, there, there, there's a through, through line of, I mean, it's the same people. 
in the same role. Not entirely, because like Alice Kriege is um, Jessica. That's true. They did have to change that. And there's a different Stilgar. Duncan is the same. Gurney is the same. Paul is the same. Duncan's not the same. It's a different actor. Yeah, Atherton, whatever. No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't the same guy in the first one. I don't think. I'm pretty sure it was. Either way, it doesn't. But I mean, there's so obviously this is this is the the spiritual successor of it, and. I think it's it's the best the best rendering of Herbert's work that they they managed to do on on a television basis. Yeah, well, I mean, I like actually I think even if you factor in like Lynch's Dune, this is probably the most like kind of fidelitous. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah. And James McAvoy did a phenomenal job. I mean, he did a really good job. This was actually pretty much I mean, he'd been, you know, in like a episode of foils war or whatever mm-hmm. like some british tv he'd right. done he'd done some other stuff but this was kind of like his break like yeah this was, I mean, this was a big role for and him. like many young pretty act actors you know they made him take his shirt Shirtless off for like the most whole of the time and you know that's fine but they, the the nice thing about the miniseries was they were a little more faithful to the source material in in my opinion because I thought so. um you know there's no weirding modules Mm-mm. you know the the ornithopters are still stupid but nobody can do ornithopters right and, no. and part of it is just that you know i mean the cgi didn't exist no hopefully it's, it's fix only that. been yeah it, it's funny to think that it's only been like 15 18 years since this was made and like the the huge sort of leap and it was even going on at the time because, like, that was one thing that you noticed while we were watching this is that, like, oh, that's very Lord of the Ringsy score. Um, yeah, and that was that's what and was like I kind of like did the math and I was like, yeah, this would have come out after Lord of the Rings, and and this again just sort of bolsters my opinion or my feeling that this is much more like high fantasy than it is yeah. like science fiction. And they and and that really comes across in in this one. I mean. Just the 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 um, court intrigue and the, mm-hmm. you know I mean it was very high fantasy you know especially mm. when you get to the part where it's basically magic what he's doing at the end it is magic you know? I mean it's not just it's not just the Bene Gesserit like Pranabindu stuff which they actually managed to convey in this I Lynch could have done it because they did it they did do it I mean well why couldn't you just do that although this you know? was six hours or whatever no that's true but I mean I, I think that they managed to. Um, because Her- Herbert wrote it as this sort of peak of of, of human perfection, like or, or as peak as you can get, and and it's, and that's mentally and physically or and whatever, right? Right. And the weirding module just sort of makes it a technology thing, and that's stupid. Like, mm-hmm. like Herbert was all about like like peak performance, like squeezing every last drop of optimization out of your your biological systems like Mm -hmm. he really dug that idea i really dig that idea i mean and also it's funny because like on the one level on the one level he's very optimistic about like the way humans like the that we haven't even we haven't even touched what we're capable oh yeah no you know what give us 500 years and we will totally change the ecology of a planet right (laughs) which is ridiculously Which is, optimistic uh, right okay but we've also actually done that anyway like well, to the acci- negative. accidentally no but no there's something sort of optimistic about it where he's like we you know you we can totally you know uh like become better than computers in terms of our ability to see things we can become like complete masters of our like musculature or whatever 
And then at the same time, he like completely cuts the knees off of that with all of his eugenics bullshit. You know what I <laughs> yeah. like? It's like his stuff is so paradoxical in so many ways because it like it's like he doesn't. I don't know. Whatever. I'm I'm not even sure. Anyway, one of the things that we started talking about while we were watching the movie was <clears throat> in the books and in the series, um, Alia, who is the younger brother, of, younger brother, younger sister of Paul, um, becomes possessed basically by the Baron Harkonnen, who is her grandfather. Yeah. And um, what? why don't you just start with what you were oh, talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that really struck me this time through, like all this whole like kind of Dune re-experience you know, that we're, mm-hmm. we're going through all of them. Um, I, I never really thought about the Baron's um, character arc because, you know, he's a foil to the Duke in the beginning and then he kind of becomes the uber bad guy throughout the rest of the series. Um, but, like, Frank Herbert did a really good job of fleshing out all of his characters. Every character has an arc, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some of them are, like, more interesting than others. Like, Stilgar goes from... Um, you know, this fierce desert warrior to, um, you know, a sycophant, you know, to a follower, you know, to, right. to just like, oh, you're you're the Messiah. So now I'm going to, you know, bow down before you, whatever. But then he kind of, but then he comes, but then he comes kind of back around. And he children, come, yeah, he no. comes full circle in the end, yep. which um, is cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty neat. You know, I mean, and Alia is, is an example of kind of a descent into madness, but then her redemption comes at the very end. She has a deathbed conversion. Um, but the Baron, I think, is really fascinating because his character arc is a negative one. I mean, he starts out, like, according to the, the stuff that I'd read about um, his back history was that he was, he used to be, you know, like, like not fat and, and pustule ridden. Mm-hmm. That was actually a, um, uh, that was like a curse that the Reverend Mother um, put on him uh, because she was tasked with, with, you know, bearing his child. She's actually Jessica's mother. I didn't realize that. But that the the Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mohame is her mother, and and Jessica probably didn't know that. Although I you mean, know, and and so like because of I that, I feel like that might be a little bit of a retcon, just because Jessica this is, would have known. This is known. in the Atreides book. Okay, afterwards. Fair so enough. I don't yeah, know whether Frank Herbert actually came up with it originally, or whether Brian just decided to. Brian do claims that. that it came from his notes, but anyway, sure. go so on. Let's just, so let's, let's just say take it. Does. it. I mean, I'm taking yeah. that as canon, so which kind of makes sense. I mean, Luke, I'm your father. Sure, I'm into it. Sure. So. So what that means then is that so he he she was supposed to seduce him and he's gay so he's not really into it um, but then when she comes back because of the, the apparently the first child was sickly and whatever they wanted a better one so they try again um, but this time when she comes back he's mad that you know at her and so he rapes her and like this is her curse is to give him this disease that mm. makes him overweight and pustule ridden I mean as a as kind of a um, you know, I mean, it's it's her revenge on him because at that point, I mean, she's got the the child that she needs now. So whatever. Anyway, which and that... which, which in some level sort of helps with. I mean, obviously, um, Herbert was a huge homophobe, and his you know his characterization of the Baron is is totally meant to equate gayness with being. Yeah, I mean, bad. I've seen it called the most homophobic science fiction. Yeah, I was going to say like it makes that a little more complicated because. Um, you know, it would be his sort of fascistic tendencies would be to, like, want to be, you know, I mean, like, Fade Rotha, who is his, 
nephew, and mm-hmm. obviously they would look like each other at yeah. one point. Like, you know, <laughs> to have it, you know, to have him be cursed with, to not fulfill his own feelings about what people should look like would be, right. you know, I mean, that'd be a very Benichester thing to do. But, I mean, that doesn't let Herbert off the hook for no. designing the no, character no, 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 no. as this repulsive, no. like, e- exemplar of evil. Um, but in terms of a character arc, if you, if you start back there, then, like, he becomes twisted. And, and, and the Baron's, um, and we, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, the Baron's talent is in, in figuring out how, like, what, like, how people can be really useful for him, like finding out what they can do really well and then turning them to his purposes. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, which takes a, a, a lot of, you know, diplomacy, empathy, you know, manipulation. I mean, all of this is is what, what he does, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the thing that I realized here is, so, and, and then, you know, obviously he, he's got this descent into ultimately being killed by his granddaughter. And mm-hmm. then in, in Children of Dune comes back to haunt her, literally, um, and gets his revenge on her, you know, I mean, because, yeah. you know, then he kills her. It's really actually kind of a neat way to complete that whole thing. But his character arc is is negative. I mean, he goes from bad to worse. And and right. that's, you know, kind of fascinating because you don't really want to read stories about people who go from bad to worse. I mean, we talked about how, like, I think that that for sure Frank Herbert has um, has has read Joseph Campbell. I mean, because yes. this is a classic yes, yes, yes. Campbell, Campbellian um, story, you know, and, and, and to see the Baron fleshed out the way he is, is almost kind of a new archetypal story because it's like negative. It's, it's not like a positive arc. The thing that I realized this watching is that the Baron isn't a throwaway evil character when you think about it, because he's, he is like one of the, the, he is the closest male ancestor in the line of Kwisatz Haderach. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, so this is Paul's grandfather. I mean, so this guy isn't just some, some like genetic schlub, right? I mean, he has got the focused power of the Bene Gesserit breeding program here. They want him for a reason. They want that bloodline. I mean, it produced Fade Rautha. And the Baron in his in his youth would have been much more like Fade Rautha. And, and you don't really get that in the books. It's like, he never makes a point of it, but he totally is, you know, I mean, he, he is the nearest genetic ancestor to the Kwisatz Haderach right. on the male side. And, and in world that like, you know, like if you accept all of the sort of givens of this universe, mm-hmm. that means that like, that means that he is, he's like 85% Kwisatz Haderach, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know what his, I mean? Which makes his whole talent of perception mm-hmm. and intuition much more understandable because... right. I mean, he is a, he is a, a pinnacle of human genetic engineering, despite right. his appearances in the movies and everything else. Um, and nobody ever really talks about that about how he no. he actually they is really like, don't you know pretty pretty powerful in, in in the character itself is a pretty powerful one. Right. Um, and and they kind of talk about it a little bit with Count Fenring, where he was a failed Quizat Tatarak, right? I mean, he's yeah. a, he's a genetic. They they describe um, him as a genetic. Genetic eunuch, which I don't even know what that's supposed to mean, but my sense I mean, is that like you, babies, then you, you can't, can't propagate. Which that is line. hilarious to me because like Leto in the end like covers himself with sand trout and he's not having any fucking children either. 
Like he's not following the Bene Gesserit breeding program. No, at that he point, isn't. Though. He's got a really different. Goal. Right, but I'm just saying that like it. Yeah. it well, it's a little I mean, question mark. They did. They did breed the the universe's super being. I mean, he is like he becomes more, much much more than human once he puts those sand trout on and lives forever. Mm-hmm. Like at, at that point. And he becomes, they, they don't want really to get in, into this in the miniseries, but in the books, he's he's ruled by a council of his memories, like the people in his lineage that are kind of led by a very strong ruler. Mm. But he is, he's an abomination, you know? I mean... Although I think it's, I think it's actually super funny because I think Atreides comes from the term, comes from the Greek and I believe it's like Odysseus or something. Like it's, it's being pulled very specifically from like, um, Greek mythology yeah. or, or Greek epic poetry. Yeah. Um, and so I believe that actually literally Odysseus is one of those people, which I think is a, maybe a little jerk off. <laughs> like I'm kind of making well, a little jerk off motion right now. It's yeah. okay. But it's I mean, fine. I think that was really more for, for, you know, Herbert to kind of place it in a sort of royal yeah, yeah. lineage, no. you know, because all of that shit's made up. And, that, and it also makes They're sense. They're all pirates two or three generations back anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it just, just was a fucking pirate too. But anyway, but and it makes it, like, that actually makes huge sense with me, you know, again with the, like, this is an epic fantasy. Not right. A, not right. A, oh, but the one thing I wanted to say about, like, I mean, I think that you're totally onto something with the, like, whole, like, like the Baron's, you know, like, I mean, you said this earlier that, you know, there are so many foils for each other yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Like, there's this and this one thing and this other thing, and they, they're they mirror images. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the barren sort of descent is mirrored with all kinds of other people's ascents. You know, right. Paul, right. maybe most obviously. Or Alia at the end. Or Alia at the end. And, um... Like, kind of in a really direct way. They're in a mental battle yeah. with each other. And Alia no, to Paul. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, yeah, that's another good one. So, but I, like, but it sort of made me think of, like, you know, like, we have the monomyth, right, in Mm -hmm. Western culture, at least, if not everywhere, I don't know, young, blah. Um, So. (laughs) He would say it's everywhere. Yeah, he would, but he's also a Westerner, so. Yeah. Anyway, so, like, the the monomyth is obviously, like, it's like the the ultimate buildings roman, right? Right, It's like the hero's journey, et cetera. Right. And, um. We do have some stories that that involve the the opposite, um, but they're sort of embedded. Like, mm-hmm. like I think that you know, like if you look at John Milton, who wrote the great English language epic, um, you know, Paradise Lost is the opposite of that. That mm-hmm. is literally about the like the fall of of a divine being down, mm-hmm. right? And um, and it's and I, like it's funny to me because like there there's a there's a way in which like the uh, paradise lost is sort of what creates the the romantic poets mm-hmm. you know because they look at they look at Satan there uh, you know delivering all of his beautiful monologues about everything mm-hmm. and they're like and they totally make Milton roll in his grave because they're like <laughs> you know who's really boss that dude yeah. Um, but but I but he's like he's like one of the few because I feel like the the other attempt to do this monomyth in reverse would be um, episodes one two three of Star Wars. <laughs> That's a really good point. I mean, and that was a 
unmitigated fucking disaster. Well, part of that was not the story's fault. It's, you know, the actor, but whatever. I, I actually, I actually seriously fault the story too, though, because like, yeah. like, well, I, I knew like, where they were going. We're going for this guy who's going to end up evil. And yes, he will eventually be redeemed, mm-hmm. but this is his descent into child murder and worse, you know? Right, yeah. and and they just did a bad job of it, because, and because or they did a good job of it, and it's just a horrible story to watch happen. Because what good no, does it do you? I just don't think that they do a very good job of ex- at like none none of that feels like like I used to have this sort of like drunken story, and I and I can't necessarily deliver it anymore. But if you, you drink more. <laughs> if you watch um, a New Hope and the other ones, um, there is an embedded story there. And it has to do with, like, you know, so, like, Luke, or not Luke, I'm sorry, um, Owen and Anakin grow up on a dirt farm. They're in fierce competition with each other, you know, and the one leaves his shitty home time and the other one gets himself embedded even farther in, you know, whatever this horrible existence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, like, and, like, there's a... There's a story there about sibling rivalry and shitty hometowns, and you could even throw in some religious shit, and it would be great. Like footloose. Yeah, it would totally. <laughs> you could totally do. No, but I mean, but there's a story like you could totally do like an Abel and Cain story that would have been really, really tight and really, really beautiful. Yeah. And like you know, and like the children are a product of rape or what, like whatever. Like there, there is all kinds of, like. There, there's a story that is that is flirted with, that is there on the edges That's of like the Star Wars screen. story, that is ne- that never came to be. Yeah. And and that story is darker and better than the one that was made. Yeah. No, I think that's true. But I mean, you don't sell stuffed animals to kids with that story. You know what I mean? And that's the problem with Lucas. And that's also the problem with Disney. And that's why that story will never get made. But I mean, that's, you're right. That is a, I think that's a more interesting story. But also, I mean, part of the problem with it in, in this context is that we know that he has to end up as Darth Vader at the end. So like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the end of it is, is just, I mean, those movies, none of those first three really stand on their own at all because you know where it's going, and then when it gets there, you're like, "Well, now I guess I'll I'll go watch a New Hope and just keep I it know. going." Because it's like, what what good does that do you at the end of all of that to to say, "Yep, that went exactly where we thought it was okay, going." Okay, but but counterpoint. I mean, I think that it's possible to. I mean, this is maybe a little glib, but like in Fair Verona, we set our scene. Yeah, you, you can, know, you can. George Lucas couldn't do it. <laughs> okay For sure, you sure. Know? but and and, and I, I think that like part of the problem is that like milton is the exception that proves the rule like you you would have to like reach way back to find a really good example of this story that that people really liked you know i mean it's not just mm-hmm. having like i mean because you can have negative characters like lolita is an example of having this horrible main character and it's still a horrible. wonderful book you yeah. know i mean and and i don't know that his his character arc is a descent so much as just sort of a sideways movement into exploration he's just ter- about who he he's is. He's terrible, you know? and then he continues to be terrible, and then he ends terrible. Right, because the story really isn't about him. It's about like what he's done to this other person. Right. And you have to read between the lines to get that. Which is, I mean, and, and that's neither here nor there, but it's like, you can have examples of, of characters, main characters that are horrible, 
mm-hmm. but it's a lot it's a lot tougher. I mean, and I think it is more interesting. It's just I don't think you can make movies for American audiences with stuff like that because they no. tend to want these hero stories, the monument. They want they want this sort of happy ending, and that's really tough to do when the ending is is well now he's Darth Vader. Oh, you know that you know that reminded me like um, I think that. The, the the one example I can think of of a American series that was flirting with telling the story of a of a family of bad guys was Fear the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. because um, Madison and her family they were they were on this descent to becoming yeah that's the, true they were ooh you know yeah. who else who Breaking Bad. Yes. That's literally what yes. that whole story yeah. is about. And, and, and they did a really good job of it. They did a really good job Actually, of it. Actually, uh, Ozark, too, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, but so, I... Okay, whatever. I take it back. It can totally be done well. It can and be it done. it is done well. And, and, and you have these sympathetic characters who are right. turning evil. Right. Although, I mean, I do have to say that Fear of the Walking Dead totally fucking boned it. Like, they completely mm. ruined it. Like, it could have... Like, they could have done something so cool with it. But then they were like... They flinched. Basically, yeah. and they were like, "Let's turn it into people hugging zombies right. or whatever," <laughs> and that's just a bad idea yeah. on the face of it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think so. This has kind of gotten a little far away from Children of Dune, which as a that's okay, series though. was pretty long. I mean, it was it was well done. It was nice. It just kept going. But it had been a while since I'd seen it. I've only ever seen it once before. Yeah, and um, you know, I I. I actually I like it. I would totally watch it again. I like I mean, it. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't know how soon I will because I kind of feel like I'd want to watch, you know, Dune first. But I mean, do I really have to watch Dune first? I guess I don't. No, I would never have to watch that again. I mean, because that that was one of the thing. I don't know. Because that that Dune miniseries was bad. I mean, because was... like for example, like I thought, like I was super anti the guy who played. Um, uh, Paul, mm-hmm. and he's also in Children of Doom. Yeah, he's the prophet, and he's fine. He's great. So he great I job. was like, oh, apparently this is your director. Completely boned all of it. Yeah, you know, because like there, I mean, there were a number of performances. Like I thought that maybe Susan Sarandon was a little hammy, but she, also yeah. on the on she the had other a terrible haircut too. <laughs> Everybody did. Yeah. Oh my god, That's no. true, Irulan. Irulan's haircut was just like, it was totally like, like What a, are you, like a 40s office like like, girl? It was like a Karen haircut, though. It was like a, like a, I think I'm Rachel from, you know, I don't know, it was no good. Yeah. Um, But, you know, she was hammy in a way that, like, definitely served the, the material, you know? Yeah. Like, this yeah. is kind of... A hammy story, so it's okay. Yeah, and they have a new Stilgar in this one, and I looked him up, and he's just like bonkers dude who's done like he's a playwright of his own right, and he's done. Oh, yeah. He has like a style of acting named after him, and is like completely Gonzo, and I totally love it. Yeah, it was super good. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, and I think that that's that's like all. I mean, you can point to the director. As mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I, I think that that it was it was well directed. You know, I mean, there were parts of it that were. I mean, it was well paced. It's just long. It is, you just know, long. because it is a TV miniseries. So sitting down and watching the entire thing in one go 
is is tough because it's no like Lord of the Rings extended version marathon. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's still bad graphics and yeah. whatever, oh, so like it's just like, slow moving. Like, and they don't really like again if you don't if you don't have a familiarity with the source material, you're gonna be confused about a lot of it. I think mm-hmm. because they don't really explain like the the conspiracy at the beginning. You no. know, I mean, it's not super clear. Um, what's happening to to Leto as he you know at the end is not really clear at all. Oh, that was that was the worst thing about it is that like at the end of Children of Dune, which is the you know terminal book in the mm-hmm. in the trilogy, like he gets all these like he's been kind of overdosed on spice, mm-hmm. so his like blood spice level is ridiculous. So he goes and finds all these sand trout and basically makes himself like a sand trout still, still suit. Right? Yeah, which conceptually works incredibly well. You almost wonder if he had it all figured out from the very beginning because what the sand trout do in in the world is to encapsulate water sources, which right. then, you know, eventually that's what creates a spice blow when they explode and then creates the whole cycle of life, whatever. So this is what the sand trout do. Right. They're encapsulating his water. Right. It's, it, yeah. And it, then he turns into a worm. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then sucks for the next... 4,000 years. Anyway, but like, so like at the end of the book, I mean, and again, like I think that uh, Herbert has a, does a pretty good job of describing how it works and like, Mm -hmm. and I told you. this vivid scene of him like rolling it off of his face. And so he has this big cowl around his face because he needed to keep his face clear. And then like rolling a tube, like a, like a still suit tube. Yeah. So he could like drink some of this. Yeah. No, I mean, it was all like. Like, the fact that, I mean, I don't know the last time I read these books, but it was, I don't know, 25 years ago. Yeah. And, like, the fact that I can still really describe it means that it was, it was well done, right? Yeah. And instead, in this fucking movie, which normally I thought most of the, like, costuming choices were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, they put, like, some shit on one of his arms. Yeah, it was like some sand leeches on the back of his hand that was, I think the intent was to show it, like, growing over his arm or whatever. But in the book, he just puts a bunch of sand trout on. I mean, kids do this. Fremen kids do this. They, like, put the sand trout on, and it's this kind of funny little glove, which right. then falls off because they are not a super being with Well, and they're know, also not, blood. like, you know, their blood alcohol content or <laughs> blood spice content isn't, like, a million or yeah, whatever. Yeah, so that wasn't great. I mean, because part of, part of the problem is, like, once he gets that sand trout skin, he actually can't be killed. That's mm. his super tough armor, and that's part of his, that's part of the problem is that, this is it. He's mm-hmm. going to be alive for, you know, the next couple thousand years. Yeah, and I just don't... I mean, and he's not looking forward to it. I mean, This it, is the thing that Paul shied away from. Yep. And made his kid do. Like, yep. why do we have to clean up after the boomer mess? Yeah, no, it's... But he is, did, and we will. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, but it definitely... I was definitely disappointed by that. And, you know, I mean, it's also impossible to um, tell what somebody who isn't as deeply versed in like the Duneverse mm-hmm. <laughs> um would think but uh there were there were some points that I thought this fell down on like um at the end of the books um Paul marries his sister Leto marries his sister No, I'm sorry, you're correct. Leto marries his sister in like a kind of ancient Egypt kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but he's a, he's now a sand trout dude, so he's not actually going to have sex with her because that's gross. Right. Because he has like worm dick. 
Yeah. Or no dig. Yeah. It's under there somewhere. Yeah. It's not okay. No. Anyway. Um, and they completely avoid even talking about that being a possibility. Yeah. Although, at the same time, they spend a lot of time with Ganima and uh, Lido kind of being a little too, like, kissy. Well, I mean... They were really kissy. In the, in the books, they make a point that, like, sometimes they would, like, take on the personas of Paul and, and Chani, you know? I mean, because they have the memories. Oh, God, that's right. Because, yeah, they're really close to Abomination. Yeah, I mean, well, Leto totally is. I mean, he's he is a he is by the end become a ruling council of memories mm-hmm. that you know it is, and and that's ultimately part of what makes him strong enough to survive the next couple thousand years is is that it's it's actually a ruling council of some of the best and brightest of his story ancestors, lineage, yeah. Although, Not the Baron. <laughs> what I what I think is interesting is that, like, I mean, I think that there's sort of a level of just kind of like regular ass chauvinism with Aaliyah's descent into madness, where she's yeah. just like she's a girl, and so she's not capable of dealing with the like tough personality. She, but she didn't have the the trick that Leto did, which was to find a ruling council of strong people. She had one of the strongest personalities. Who is, we just talked about how the Baron is this culmination. Yeah. Oh, like he's no. the penultimate Quizat's Hatterack male. And that's why he takes over. Because he is that strong. Right. You know? And and when she's weak, he just barrels on through. Right. and But arguably, you know, it's just like chicks be weak. Yeah. Although, well, but, but I mean, that's like, kind of in the book. You know? uh, in the, but then on the other hand, like Ganema actually never has a problem with it at all. I think she avoids it because she never gets that kind of super spice. Right. Dose she's never, she, she, yeah. That. Right. But she, she definitely doesn't have like the same problems that like, no. Alia yeah. has. And... Yeah. And, and that's part, part of that is because, I mean, if you think about it, Alia's, I mean, she, not, not only was she preborn, but she was tasked with, um, at a very, very young age, running the empire, you know, and she was not ready for that. Well, cause as a person, I mean, like, not that anybody ever is really, but, you know, I mean, it, that's part of the problem is she fell apart at the end because things started going against her and she just wasn't, she just wasn't up to the task of, of holding it all together and staving off the Baron, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, because she kept taking more and more spice because she wanted to see the future because she's terrified of what's going to happen because right? she's walking this real fine line and she's not Paul. That's, she's the foil to Paul. She's what happens if Paul fucks up. You get Alia. That could have mm-hmm. happened to Paul. You yeah. know? Ugh. That could have happened to Leto. I yeah. mean, that's the that's the that's just to illustrate the line that they walked right. by having somebody falling off of it. Yeah, no, totally. And also, yeah, it's it's also really funny to me that like uh Herbert really likes his protagonist very young. Because yeah. like <laughs> I I think I can't remember really clearly, but I'm pretty sure that at the beginning of uh, Dune Messiah, which would be the second in the trilogy, she's like 16. Yeah, and she spends a lot of time sweaty and naked. With Duncan Idaho. Well, and with, you know, fencing her little fighting robot. <laughs> she does a lot of that. Yeah. Well, and, and the kids are, I don't know, I mean, by the time he puts on the, like, sandworm suit, I think he's maybe 16, too. Yeah, they're like, pretty young. They're all really young, which is just like, okay... I guess. Why? Okay. Yeah. 
Although, oh, I mean, just and like one final thing is that like there is a level on which I think um, Herbert is kind of a romantic. Yeah. And I mean this in the, like the love sense is like he totally sets it up that Ganima and was it Faden? Faden. Faden are like totally like hearts for each other. Like, yeah, she's like eventually there could be love. She but doesn't there, rule it out. But there is though. Yeah, like, no, it's those arranged marriages are, are you know. Yeah, he's totally he's totally like loving. you know what you get as a booby prize. You get to fall in love with this dude. He's, that shows up a lot in his stories, too, is the booby prize relationship, you know? Because yeah. it's like, I mean, <laughs> you have all of these these people who are, you know, well, well I can't marry you because I need to keep my, my, mm-hmm. that slot my open options for, open for yeah. imperial domination or whatever. Um, so you're the, you know, you're the booby prize. Mm-hmm. And Irulan is is like, yep, haha, I'm not really your husband. Right. But I mean, or but, you're not but like, really my wife. But like Paul and Cheney are like definitely like they're in a serious love relationship from the time. I mean, he's like 16. That's it. Yeah. That's it for him. Yeah. Start cross lovers. Yeah. Forever. Um, and I think that that's kind of cute because like I know a lot of people like. I don't know, rag on romance or whatever, but he definitely has that in his little heart. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. Like, I think he does. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah. All right. Well. So, um, I thought Children of Dune was just fine. Yep. It was definitely like a hundred times better than just regular ass Dune miniseries. Yeah. Dune 2, Son of Dune, one of the very few sequels that's better than its predecessor. Yeah, for word. And like, part of it has to do with the fact that I think James McAvoy kind of outshines everybody. Yeah, he does a great job in it. He, when he finally does get a lot more screen time, like towards the, the middle. And, yeah that's he's good that's when it really starts to shine yeah he is is, well and and obviously the director is better yeah so but you can see why he becomes a star because he has presence yeah no he's definitely got it yeah yeah Yeah. that's cool anyway so high five high five